glad to be here say amen and uh, glad once again to start our service off with baptism and uh, we have Alexis Bolin coming this morning and she has already prayed and asked Jesus into her heart so let's get you in this thing careful and Ken, Ken come around here and stand next to me brother I want you to come stand back here this is all part of the family just sit down with your feet that way if you don't mind por favor which is Spanish. Y'all didn't know I knew that, did you? Scoot all the way up. Scoot all the way up. Gracias. Us. 
Hey, this is Ken, too. Ken is uh, the father here, and Ken's prayed to receive the Lord Jesus as well. So we're fired up, and I just want him to be a part of this. And we've got a lot of family and friends here, the Bowling family. If you guys will just stand, we want to welcome y'all uh, for being here this morning. Look at that, boy. Good night. Very cool. And I believe it was Stan who actually led you to the Lord, right? And Stan lost it. He's here back there. Raise your hand, brother. Look at what the Lord's done. Uh, I've seen two come to the Lord as a result of that. Appreciate you, brother. So, Alexis, based upon your salvation, you're giving your heart to Jesus, we're going to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen? Amen. All right, you can go ahead and stand up. Stand up. Sit right up. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Amen. All right, your turn, Ken. Come on up here, buddy. Watch a big step there. There you go. There you go. Got it. And this is Ken, Ken Bolin. Ken has prayed to receive the Lord. And Ken, you've given your heart to Jesus, right? And the Lord's changing you, isn't he? And uh, man, we've been praying for him and working with him and excited about what God's doing in his life as well as his wife and his daughter and just want to celebrate what the Lord's done. So Ken, based upon your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen? Very good, very good. God bless you. I do, I do. I love starting our services off that way. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Concord. We're sure glad you're here. And uh, fill out the little form for us, drop in the offering plate later on, or take it to the pastor or one of our people in the Welcome Center, and they'll give you a little free gift from us today. That'd be great. Uh, but y'all just stand up, find somebody you don't know. We've got a few folks that are new with us this morning. Tell them it's good to see them at Concord this morning. Do it right now. Some of you still got breakfast in between your teeth, so this will be a great time to get that out. Smile at your neighbor, and I'm happy, so happy. It's got to start from the inside, let it go out. Look at your neighbor. Don't look at me. Look at your neighbor. There you go. Y'all looking at your neighbor? Say, I'm happy, and I know it. And you can't tell me, yeah, I'm happy, and I know it, and I'll clap my hands if I want to. Yeah, hey, y'all can do that. That's awesome. All right, we're going to try that one more time. From that verse, go to that, yeah, that's happy and happy. I shall go there to dwell. Here we go. So be ready for that part because you want to get happy right at that spot. All right, you ready? One, two, three. I shall go there to dwell in that city I go since Jesus came into my heart. Here we go. And I'm so happy it's over I go since Jesus came into my heart. Since 
Y'all are awesome. Let's lift up the Lord this morning. Father, we are so honored to be in this place. So honored that we can sing and lift our hearts to you. Thank you for what you did on the cross for us, Lord, as we sing about that now. Ladies, you start us out. Come on, girls. Ready? Separate me. 
you grateful for the love our Father has for us? The only way that we can be saved. At the cross I bowed my knee, where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Awesome. 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 You can be seated. Well, it is exciting to know the Lord Jesus, isn't it? And uh, reminds us too, you know, that uh, the Lord Jesus indeed has been risen from the dead. I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again, bears repeating that if Jesus were not resurrected from the dead, there will be no reason for us to gather together on Sunday. But because he has been raised up, he radically transforms lives and motivates us to lift him up in spirit and in truth, amen? And uh, you know, it's kind of neat as we were singing at the cross, where the Lord Jesus, he said it was done. The veil was torn, the Bible says. While we were singing that, I got the opportunity to note a few things. First of all, Ken and Alexis walked into the room. Both of them been saved. That was awesome, wasn't it? And then not only that, I'm looking up here at the drums. Brandon is playing the drums. He was saved about three weeks ago. Already playing drums up here and serving the Lord. And... Um, it's just exciting, man. Then this morning, had a couple of people for salvation, and uh, we just want to say thanks to the Lord for that, too, as they've given their hearts to Jesus, and a lot of great, great things going on. Now, here's what we're going to do during this time of the service, which I'm pretty fired up about, and that is to introduce to you our candidate for the pastor of discipleship and administration. His name is Randy Williams. God is using him in a tremendous fashion in the missions organization that he works currently. He's their administrator, and he will come on staff with us, Lord willing. We'll obviously have a little vote tonight to approve that, but he'll come on board and uh, really just start running right alongside what we're already up to. And I'm excited about his ability. God bless you. She's excited too, but um, <laughs> excited about his ability to help our Sunday school ministry grow, but also to help us as a church body to really reach out to this community in a unique way and just wrap our arms around it uh, with the love of Jesus Christ. So Randy's here, his wife's down here is Lisa. Lisa, why don't you stand up, let everybody at least look at you. There she is, amen. All right, y'all welcome her. And y'all act real excited now, y'all ready? Say yes. And uh, I'm gonna ask you to give it up for Randy as he shares this morning, all right? Y'all let him know. And you can pray us out too, buddy. Thank you, and some of you have had the chance to hear this testimony several times now over the last few weeks, so I apologize. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll I don't know, maybe change some things up. Chris, you've heard it umpteen times. Uh, my, well, my oldest son is actually in the room too, so Rand, you get to stand up also. All right, we've got three boys. This is Rand, our oldest. Uh, Miles, the, the middle son, came to the early service with me, and he's actually, I think, back helping with Clubhouse this morning already. And then Daly is our youngest one. He's our five-year-old, kind of keeps us entertained all the time with uh, lots of different things that he comes up with to share with us. Uh, but, I, you know, my testimony is that, that probably like a lot of you, I grew up in the church. We, we started going, I mean, from the time I was born, I can remember my parents had me at the church. Well, when I was three years old, my dad took a job and moved us to Georgia. We were living in Alabama at the time, and he moved us to America's Georgia. Now, as I've shared that, a lot of people have nodded, and the comments I've gotten from everyone is, it's a lot hotter in America's than it is in Claremont, and that's true. But I grew up there. As soon as we got there, uh, my parents joined First Baptist Church of America's Georgia, and that's where I grew up going to Bible school going to Sunday school, going to discipleship training. And for years, I heard all of those great stories uh, about Jesus. I heard all the Bible stories. I learned every one of them. But about seventh grade, I realized I had a whole lot of knowledge about the Bible and about Jesus, but something was missing. And I went and I talked to our, our student pastor, uh, and he, he started sharing with me about that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. About a week later, I went and, and visited with the pastor in his office, and he, he and I really got down to the, the bare bones about what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was about. And it was in his office I was able to pray and receive Christ. About a week later, November of my seventh grade year, uh, I was baptized there at First Baptist Americas. And I, and I was thinking about it a while ago. I remember getting really involved with the youth group a couple weeks after that, I went to the uh, Georgia Youth Evangelism Conference 
featured speaker there then was a, a, a young, young girl named Johnny Erickson. She hadn't added Tata to it at the point. It was pretty, pretty early after the accident. And I, I listened to her testimony and just was amazed at what she was doing and how God had, had used her uh, for ministry. And so I was really involved with our student ministry up until about that time I turned 16 years old. I kind of had a driver's license then, and well, there were some other interests, and as I've shared with others, I, I didn't make God get out of the car. I just kind of asked him to get in the back seat and let me take care of things for a little while. And I did that through high school and, and went on to college. I found out that's an unpopular choice here in Claremont because I went to Auburn University. But please give me a little break here. My entire family went to Auburn. That, that's just what we do. Uh, the, the Williams, oh, we, we finally have one. Um, we uh, went on to college. Lisa was a year behind me in high school, and, and we had been dating for a couple of years. Uh, and, and she followed on over to Auburn as well. Several of her family members had gone there too. And so we, we made it over to Auburn, and, and I was a journalism graduate journal I was studying journalism worked my way up there in college and I thought I was the big man on campus I was the sports editor of the school paper and that was a big deal to me it probably wasn't to anybody else but it was to me and I got to know a lot of the football team and the baseball team the basketball team all these teams I'd walk around campus and the, the guys from the football team that at the time were playing for the SEC championship they knew me by name I thought I was I was pretty big well, what I like to call my first senior year, because I enjoyed college so much, I was uh, sitting there one night and, and knew that something was wrong with me physically, but I couldn't really figure out what was going on. And I've never before or again have I laid out a fleece for God, but I just said, you know what, God, <laughs> something isn't right here. If you need me to go to the doctor, would you just kind of make sure I do that? Because, well, you know, guys, we just don't like to admit we need to go to the doctor sometimes. Well, it was the next day I was walking across campus with a friend of mine, and I doubled over in pain. And I just looked at her. I said, you got to get me to a doctor or to the emergency room or something. I I've got to go. And, and I was fortunate enough that I had a, uh, a faculty parking sticker. That was the perk of being the sports editor. So my car was close. We made it to the car. Uh, we got there sat down in the car she just kept looking at it I looked at her like can you please get me to the doctor and she said I can't drive a stick shift I'm like okay so we we swapped places I was able to drive to her car which was about a mile away she drove me to a, a little uh we called them the dock in the box just a emergency help not an emergency room but emergency doctor to help me out and he he kind of looked around and said you know there there is something going on I need to refer you to another doctor. He said, here's the good news. The worst case scenario is this could be cancer, but the good news is never is pain associated with this kind of cancer. So I don't think that's what we're dealing with, but I need you to go to this other doctor tomorrow. Already made you an appointment. Headed the next morning to the doctor. He had given me pain medicine. I was doing much better by that point, but went to the doctor. He said the same thing. He said, you know what? We need to do some surgery, but it's gonna be outpatient. It won't be a big deal cancer, this particular type of cancer, pain is never associated with it. So I don't think we're talking worst case scenario. About three days later, as I woke up from the anesthesia uh, in that kind of fog that you have of, of not knowing whether it's a dream or reality, I heard a nurse say, Mr. Williams, the doctor removed a tumor and we're going to keep you overnight. The next time I woke up, I remember looking and, and seeing my parents and my sister at the foot of the bed and and uh, they were all crying, and I realized, okay, that probably wasn't a dream. It probably was reality. And the next thing I remember is, is Lisa, who by that point, we had dated a few years. She was now my fiance. And she walked over to the bed and just took my hand and looked at me and said, it's okay. God's going to get us through all of this. And it was at that point that we said, okay, God, no longer are you in the back seat. We want you in the driver's seat. And he started driving uh, leading my life. Uh, we got back more involved in, in church and in, in, in following him and following his will for us. As I said, I was a, a journalism major, so uh, a couple years down the road, I've a couple years down the road, I have graduated. I'm working for a little small town newspaper in Alabama. It's on the shores of one of the prettiest bodies of, of water inland I've ever been to. 
A friend of mine walked in the office one day of this little paper. He said, hey, there's a camp down at the, uh, the lake for, for kids with, with cancer. You might want to go do an article on that. Well, it was just a couple of years from, from having had cancer and, and been uh, declared cancer-free myself. So I said, I'm all over this. Head down to the lake to do this, this story and really hit it off with the, the executive director. Just kind of shared my testimony with her. She was telling me what they did with the camp. And you know those famous last words, a lot of us say, hey, if you ever need any help, please give me a call. I didn't mean it, but I said it. She took it that I meant it and called me a week later. She said, hey, we're taking 32 teenagers to the beach. Would you be willing to come and be a chaperone? I said, sure, I'll go do that. Went and absolutely loved it. That was the beginning of God saying, you know what? I want you to go into full-time ministry and work with students. Uh, he gave me a love for teenagers that, that to this day I still carry. Uh, I guess what? It was about three years, two to three years after that, I, w I found myself uh, serving full-time as a student pastor. In fact, the first thing they, they had me do was uh, I was a minister of youth and children. Had no idea what that meant. I knew I liked working with teenagers. I knew I'd made a big mistake the first day I, I went to work with the children, and I was walking in with all this stuff I had prepared for them. and. <laughs> Realized as I walked in the door, they were in kindergarten. They couldn't read yet. And I had a whole bunch of stuff for them to read. But, man, God just blessed and, and allowed us to, to continue through the ministry. And he, he started, you know, kind of like in Paul's journeys where, where he, he moved to different areas and even moved to different, different types of ministries. And so, so God was, was gracious enough to, to continue leading us. We, we ended up working with adults and adult education ended up working in administration and in the last several years he's he's really had me working in missions and in ad administrative work for missions one of the really cool things uh, in this journey is how uh, through those missions through that mission opportunity uh, he allowed me to make contact with Concord Baptist several years ago and I, I will never forget uh, the very first trip I took to Brazil uh, with Concord it was uh, there were a couple of men on the trip and a whole lot of girls on that trip. Uh, we had some flight problems on the way down, but I never, I, I will remember till the day I die, uh, the approach your, your leadership had was, you know what, y'all might be having some flight problems, but God sent you on a mission. Let's go do the mission. And we did that. Uh, I think it was a year later, uh, went back with Concord again. And if I'm not mistaken, everybody on that trip lost at least one, if not two, uh, pieces of luggage. Uh, but to watch the attitude of, it doesn't matter, we're here to serve, we'll just make do, we'll go shopping, we'll do what we have to do to make this work. Over the years of doing those trips with, uh, to Brazil, and then as you've had two teams to come to, to Montgomery to serve with us, it's, it's been incredible to watch your church. And I... I shared with the first service of all the churches I've ever been in contact with uh, throughout my ministry, I don't know that God has ever allowed me to get to know people in a church, in the heartbeat of a church, like he has with Concord Baptist. And I thank you for that because I'm going to tell you what, you've got an awesome church. You've got some folks that are really here ready to serve. Um, <laughs> missions. Missions is very close to my heart. Uh, that, that's what I've been doing. And I've seen your folks on mission projects <laughs> from, from Montgomery, Alabama to the ends of the earth in Brazil. And I've seen their, their heart to serve. Uh, God's also given me, I, I guess, a, a desire to see people start that literally in the seat you're sitting in right now. Uh, to serve here in Claremont, Georgia. To serve within the walls of this building. And so I'm thankful that he's, he's led us to this place. My whole family is excited about being here. We've gotten a chance to, to get to know your folks. The, the youngest back there behind me in the, the orange shirt, he, he was the holdout. Um, he, he wasn't too sure about that move to Georgia when we first started talking about it. I'm not sure he even knew what it meant. I mean, he's still walking around the house. He'll point to a box of Kleenex. Do we get to take that to our new house? Yeah, well, yeah, if they're still here, we'll take them when we get to the new house. He finally, this week, he looked at it individually. He looked at his mom one day. He looked at me another day. He said, I'm ready to move to Georgia now. And so, so the last holdout is ready. Not sure he totally understands what that means. 
Our other two guys definitely understand what it means. They're ready to get here and serve alongside you. So let me close out this time in prayer. Father, thank you so much for uh, just, Father, for how you work in our lives. It's, it's really phenomenal uh, to think that on a, a trip, however long it was ago, six or seven years ago, that you allowed me to, to go and serve alongside some members of Concord that in your plan that was to bring me here uh, to be on staff one day and serve alongside with them not just not just on a eight-day trip to Brazil but but for the rest of our lives together and father only you can orchestrate it uh, only you can orchestrate uh, in the midst of, of praying about serving here bringing 86 members of this church to Montgomery for my family to get to know and get to love. And so, Father, we thank you for how you orchestrate all of those things, and I wish we could say we understood it, but we don't even uh, come close to understanding how you work. But we praise you that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing. And Father, just uh, be with us now and continue to, to speak to us through the service. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. All your ways are good. All your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone. Higher than my sight. High above my life, I will trust in you alone. In you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I move. I will follow you. Who you love, I love. How you serve, I serve. If this life I Thank you guys. Let's go ahead and bow together in prayer. Father, this morning, 
Uh, we desperately need to hear from heaven, so we ask that you would speak clearly to our hearts through your word and by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray as well that uh, you would minister to marriages this morning. God, I know the principles that will be uh, taught can be applied to any situation in relationships, but God, I do pray that you would continue to move on the hearts and lives of those who are husband and wife. And God, we're going to trust that you're going to speak to us in just a clear fashion today and that you'll be glorified in absolutely everything. And Lord, we pray also that you draw people to salvation who don't know you. Do a great work in their hearts. Show them that you alone are the only one who can pay for their sin and that they must come to you by faith. And then, Lord Jesus, I just ask once again that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, give me unction from heaven that I might be able to speak exactly what you desire. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, this past week, I was um, at a store and actually ran into somebody and kind of got to know them a little bit. And they asked me, they said, well, what are you preaching on at your church? And I told them I was preaching on marriage in the red. And then she obviously said, well, what exactly does that mean? So I began to explain to her that there's the four colors of marriage, you know, red, yellow, green, and blue. And then I invited her to come. And what was unique is she said she would try to show up this Sunday. So ma'am, if you're here, would you stand up where you are? I'm just kidding. Look at y'all. Y'all look so nervous, don't you? If she was, she wouldn't stand anyway. But I just got to thinking, you know, reality is, you know, you're in the middle of this message series and there are going to be some people in the building who actually have no clue what's going on. So I want to go ahead very quickly and just kind of recap for you what a marriage in the red looks like. And whenever we talk about marriage in the red, really it's characterized by three major phrases. There's the word isolation. There's also the word independence and invisible walls. If you are a marriage in the red, you're in the worst place you can possibly be for a marriage. But then the next color, which actually is progressing and doing a little better, is the color yellow. And we talked about that color last week. And the three you know, phrases basically that characterize a marriage in the yellow were inconsistent priorities, iffy love, and inconsiderate choices. And then I left you with a challenge every single time that we were together, challenging you to spend time with the Lord every single morning and really looking and praying through scripture that we're memorizing together. And then in the evening to hold yourself accountable to ask a few questions about where you are. And we kind of got it through that and had a wonderful time doing it. Matter of fact, I've enjoyed big time this past couple of weeks going through those myself. Now, this morning, we're going to look specifically at a marriage in the green. And then next Sunday, we'll look at marriage in the blue. Can't wait for that. So what I want to do is really talk about what a marriage in the green looks like, talk about how to move out of a marriage in the green. And then at the end of the service, I want to give you a challenge that I've not done before except this morning in the first service, right? And, uh, but you're going to be hopefully challenged big time. I'm going to get you to do something you probably have never been asked to do by a preacher before. All right. Y'all still with me? Amen. All right. I can tell y'all nervous now, but anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. Now, are y'all out there? Say yes. And uh, here we'll ask the first question, that is, what does a marriage look like in the green? Now, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, there's two major phrases that describe a marriage in the green. The first phrase is spirit-controlled. That is, the marriage, uh, literally, both husband and wife, they are being led by the Spirit of God. Now, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're either being controlled by the Holy Spirit or you're being controlled by your old nature. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 6, 12 through 14, saying this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be a master over you. For you're no longer under the law, but now you are under grace. So the reality is, sir, this morning, that is sin used to have absolute control of your mind and your body. Ma'am, sin used to have control of your mind and your body as well. But as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were radically changed by the grace of the Lord Jesus. The Spirit of God resides within you, and the Spirit of God will take full control of your life as you surrender yourself to His divine leadership. 
Now, the hardcore reality this morning is this. We either work in cooperation with the Spirit of God or we work in contention against the Spirit of God. Now, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away and behold now, new things have come. As I studied this particular verse this past week, I found that rabbis in the Greco-Roman days used to use the phrase new creature to describe someone whose sins had been forgiven. And Paul the Apostle was literally grabbing that phrase from Greco-Roman culture and he was inserting it into what happens to a person when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. They literally become a new creation. Their sins are completely forgiven. And it's all based upon Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross. So as soon as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know the wrath of God which used to loom over your life, the Bible teaches, that has passed away. The spiritual death that you want once deserved, uh, eternity in hell, which you once deserved, that also has passed away. And the sin nature, which once had full reign in your life, has passed away. So now the new has come. The Bible teaches that you and I, we're adopted children of God. You're now a person for God's own possession. You are now redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. You are now under the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as soon as you came to faith in Jesus, you got a brand new manager in your life. The Spirit of God resides in you. You know, Paul the Apostle speaks about this on many occasions. But, you know, one commentator noted how Paul speaks about how we belong to Christ, that we live in the sphere of Christ's power, that we are united with Christ, that we are a part of the body of Christ, that is the believing community. There is a lot of things that happen as soon as a person comes to faith in Jesus. You know, if I can go back to Ken for a moment, I don't mean to keep going to you, brother, but I know you now, so I'm gonna talk about you. But uh, Ken, as soon as he prayed to receive Jesus, the Spirit of God came to live within his heart. Immediately, he was changed. He was now actually adopted by God the Father and placed into the family of God that is among us as believers. Y'all still with me say yes? Now, it only makes logical sense that if the Spirit of God now resides in a man who used to be lost, that the way he lives at home would be completely different than how it used to be. Are, are y'all out there? So as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, sir, husband, there should be a radical change in the context even of your marriage. Ma'am, if you're a follower of Jesus, there should be a change in how you act in your home. And the Bible teaches that we are to be spirit-controlled. So it only makes logical sense. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and explains to those believers that it is the Lord's will that you be foundationally and continually changed as you are being controlled by the Spirit of God. Notice with me, if you will, in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. You've got that in front of you. Say yes. And notice what the Bible says. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now stop there for a moment. Paul says, you know, getting drunk with alcohol is simply recklessness. Uh, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, the scripture says we are to be filled with the Spirit. Now, this doesn't speak about getting more of the Holy Spirit, but rather allowing the Holy Spirit to get more of us. All right, so the Holy Spirit brings about a continual transformation of our moral and our spiritual character so that we as believers actually begin to mirror the standing that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, what is that standing? Well, the standing that you and I have with Jesus is that of righteousness. So the more the Spirit of God controls our lives, the more of his righteousness we reflect. Now, Paul speaks in this verse in the Greek grammar in such a way to say that we are to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is not a one-time act that occurs in our life, but rather it is a continual need for us. We need to keep on allowing the Spirit of God to control our lives. Now, Paul uses four action words in verses 19 through 20 in Ephesians chapter 5. So look again at your Bible. Beginning in verse 9, the scripture says, speaking to one another in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. 
Now, you can notice the four words. There's speaking, there's singing, there's making, and there is giving. These are four terms that are used to describe how the people of God should relate to one another in the context of a local fellowship. So in short, how we speak will actually build and edify the fellowship, or how we speak will destroy and tear down the fellowship. Now, take the same principle and apply it to your marriage. Husband, how you speak to your wife will either build the marriage up or it will tear the marriage down. And matter of fact, the words that come out of our mouths actually give evidence of whether or not we are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, us men are a little different than women. Have y'all noticed this? And uh, I remember reading about and hearing about a fellow who was out, he was doing a marriage conference. And he stood up and he asked everybody in this massive coliseum to do two things. First of all, he asked everybody in the building to take one hair out of their head and they were to pull it out, pluck it out very quickly. Are y'all with me? Say yes. Now some of y'all wouldn't be able to do that, would you? I, I didn't mean to stare at anybody. But you would, you would pull it out. And so everybody in that Coliseum, everybody was holding up one single hair. And then he said, now I'm going to count to three and we're going to drop the hair. And so he counted to three. One, two, three. And everybody dropped their hair. You know what they heard? Just what we're listening to. All right. And then he said, okay, fellas, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody in the building to do something else. I want you to take off one shoe. All right. <laughs> That's not... Everybody take off one shoe. So everybody held up their shoe. Said, on the count of three, we're going to drop the shoe. And everybody in that Coliseum, one, two, three, they dropped their shoes. And it made a massive, loud, booming sound. And then he made this comment, which has stuck to me uh, since I've heard about it. He said, "Um, sir, when you talk to your wife, be careful because she will accept things not as a hair, but as a shoe. Are y'all listening? Now, us guys, here's what I've noted anyway. When a bunch of men get together, they get around each other. They just rag each other out left and right. Just make fun of each other, poke at each other. And we can leave and be okay, can't we? Uh, Look, or I think you can. Can't you? Y'all all all right? If you can't, hang out with me afterwards. We'll practice. But anyway, so uh, I will. Yeah, I will. Anyway, so we can talk to each other. But if you go home and you begin to talk to your wife like that, it doesn't work in the same way as it does with men. All right? They don't receive it that way. So we've got to be very careful that we guard what comes out of our mouths and we must ask that the Spirit of God would take absolute control of us. And whenever the Spirit of God begins to take control of us, it will change how we speak to our spouses. As a matter of fact, uh, as you look at this idea of being spirit-controlled, there is a temptation. And the temptation is that you would yield yourself to sin instead of the Holy Spirit. That is, you would give the members of your body over to act as a person who is not connected to the Lord Jesus. You know, A.W. Tozer has written a phrase, and I like it. He says, in the heart of man, there is a shrine where none but God is worthy to come. And so the Lord Jesus Christ resides within you and I by the Holy Spirit, and he empowers us to be the husbands that we ought to be, and he also empowers you ladies to be the wives that you ought to be. But we must be confident that there is no doubt sin wants to sit on the throne of our hearts once again and tell us what to do. But as we submit to the Spirit's leadership, sin has no power over us. So the marriage in the green, you must be a marriage that is Spirit-controlled. I'm going to talk about how to do that here in just a moment. But then there's a second characteristic of marriage in the green, and that is that we are service-oriented. And by that term, I mean the husband and wife, they're eager to meet one another's needs. You know, there's a verse that Paul uses in Galatians 5.13 where he says this, He says, through love, serve one another. See, when we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, we will begin to express love toward our spouse. And this love will display itself not only through our words, but also through our actions. It's the activity of service. Here's what I know. Genuine biblical love always serves. And that needs to be the case, not only in true of our fellowship, but also be true of your marriage. Now, there's a couple of ways that you and I can serve our spouses. Uh, I describe them as automatic service or intentional service. When I talk about automatic service, those are times that you just serve because that is something you know that you should do. Now, I'll give you kind of an example on this. When Krista and I were first married, Krista would go grocery shopping. She'd come home on Saturday, and she'd have the whole uh, you know, car loaded up with groceries. It was ridiculous. Y'all all right? But anyway, so uh, she'd come to the house. 
or we like to live in an apartment at that time. But on Saturday, man, I like to get up and watch sports on TV and lay on the couch. So I'd be laying on the couch, she'd go out, she'd go grocery shopping and come home, and then she'd come in the front door unloading all of those groceries. Now, it would have made good sense had I got up and helped her, right? But instead, I would just sit there and watch the TV, and then she taught me a lesson <laughs> that I have never forgotten, all right? And uh, that is that I need to automatically serve, all right? So she whooped me that day, and ever since then, now when she comes in, with the exception of a few times, so she's in here, but... Uh, I didn't say it in the first service. Every time, God bless me, I'm a great husband. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but I'm seeking to automatically serve, looking for those opportunities. And you know, as a husband to a wife with four children, I need to be looking for those opportunities to come alongside her and serve to free her up, just to let her know that she is overwhelmingly important. And then we can go a step farther. We talk about intentional service. Now, my wife does this in a phenomenal way. There's several ways that she does it, but one that sticks out uh, and that is sometimes on Saturday morning. I told y'all that was my off day, didn't I? That's the only time we serve each other. But anyway, so on Saturday morning, you know, I usually sleep in. And uh, I love it when she comes in the room and she brings me a cup of coffee right there in the bed. Are y'all all right? Can I get a witness, man? <laughs> y'all better get on it, buddy. You hadn't had it before. But anyway, so, but it works well. And what she's doing is she is in intentionally serving me. And really, whenever she does that, she's showing that she's putting someone else's interest above her own. And whenever you and I serve our spouse, it actually creates an environment where it shows that we actually value the marriage that God has given us. Now, what is the temptation? What is the temptation of being service-oriented? The temptation, very simply, is just to flat out be lazy. Now, that is the man will just lay around the house and he won't do anything and, uh, and, and serve just for free. I know you work hard and uh, some of you have housewives and your wife, you come in and you think you ought to just lay around and do nothing. Quit being sorry and start serving. Y'all all right? I mean, just love you. You show that you love your spouse by doing it. Hey, bathe the kids one night. You'd be shocked how your wife will respond. <laughs> Y'all all right? So anyway... Now, for the wife, you know, uh, be very careful that you don't become lazy as well and not serve your husband. Laziness will slide you back into the yellow. Laziness will take you all the way to the red if you're not careful. Now, every once in a while, there are some people who's like, man, bless the Lord, I'm just so tired when I get to the house and get around my wife. I just, I just don't have, I just can't do it, man. Hey, now this is going to sound wild, man, but I wrote this this week for something else, but it fits perfect. Um, and I want you to listen because it sounds like off the wall. Are y'all listening say yes? All right. Somebody who says they don't have energy to do what God's called them to do. Now, here's a question. Do you know that one major method of creating clean energy is hydro energy? I'm asking y'all that. <laughs> Did you know that? You've heard of hydro energy? Somebody just say yes. I promise I'm going somewhere. Don't look at me like that. Hydro energy is simply energy that's taken from water, converted to electricity. Hydro energy can be obtained by using many methods of capture. Most common method of using energy from water is a hydroelectric dam. You know, where water coming down through an area causes turbines to rotate and energy is captured and it runs to a generator. Power can also be generated from the energy of tidal forces or wave power, which uses the energy created by waves. You know, it's reported that Canada creates the most energy using this method while the USA runs a tight second. Now, here's where you're probably wondering why I'm talking about this. Those who are not filled with the Spirit of God cease to have the spiritual energy to empower them for God's true purposes in marriage. I read in John chapter 4 in my devotional this past week where Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, I love what he says, listen to what he says, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Y'all see the picture? As soon as you come to faith in Jesus, the Bible says he puts himself in you by the Holy Spirit and he becomes a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now check this out. As we abide in the Lord Jesus, we experience the reality of supernatural clean energy. The water of Christ welling up within us empowers us to accomplish his divine purposes. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. So while the water in Canada and the U.S. has been routed to create clean energy, remember the empowerment of Jesus has been routed by the Spirit of God to create supernatural energy within us. So when we live spirit-controlled, we become service-oriented. 
So as the Spirit of God takes control of your life, two things are true. One, you're always lifting up the Son of God. And then number two, you're always looking to serve other people. And that is not going to just be true in the context of the believing body, but it's going to be true in the context of your home. So men, as you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll have this humble attitude to serve your spouse. Ma'am, as you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll have this humble attitude to serve your husband. You know what happens in a lot of marriages? A lot of marriages, uh, the husband wants to get his own way and the wife wants to get their own way. That is ungodly and not biblical. Humbly submit yourself, look out for the best interest of your spouse, allow the Spirit of God to take control of you, and you'll be shocked. Listen, you'll be shocked. The spiritual energy that the Spirit of God will create in your life, and it will pour through you, and you'll be doing things you never thought were possible when the Spirit of God controls. Are y'all listening? Say yes. So that's what a marriage into a yellow, or I'm sorry, the green actually looks like. Now, we go a step further and really ask the question, how can we make this a reality in our life? And I've done this with you. These are, you know, no different than last two, two weeks. But here's the deal. Here's what I've been doing all week. When we talked about the red, I did this in the red. When we talked about the yellow, I've been doing it in, for the yellow. And this week, I'll do it with the green. All right? So what I'm going to do is sit down, and every single morning, I'm going to have some AM prayer goals. So I'm going to sit with the Lord, and I'm going to read this uh, little statement right here, and it's going to turn into a prayer. Y'all listening say yes? So here's how it's going to roll out. I'm going to say, okay, I will seek to be filled with the Spirit of God today. Are y'all listening say yeah? So then that turns into a prayer. So here goes my prayer. Lord, I pray today that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Allow me to have the spiritual energy to love my wife the way you desire for me to. Are y'all listening? And then I go to the second step. I will seek to serve my spouse today. So what I'm going to do through that, I'm going to say, Lord, make me sensitive to areas in which I can really serve Krista. I want to look out for those places, and I want to be a servant. Y'all still with me? Say amen. That was like five of you. Y'all still with me? Say amen. I know I mess y'all up with practical stuff, don't I? Y'all are like, good night, this preacher, he really wants us to do something. <laughs> wait till next week. Y'all all right, I can't wait till next week. I'm going to mess y'all up. But anyway, so it'll be great. <laughs> and then throughout the day, what I'm going to do is really be memorizing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. The ones we just read. Don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So as I'm putting that into my brain, it's going to continue to remind me that the Spirit of God needs to have absolute control of my life, which reminds me once again of what I prayed that morning, that I'd be filled with the Spirit and I'd look for areas to serve my spouse. Does this make sense? Say yes. Does this make sense? Say yes. yes. And then I'll come down to the daily questions, Chris, and I'm looking forward to this part here. At the end of the night, I'm going to begin to ask a couple of questions. <laughs> I just called somebody's name out and it freaked them out. It was pretty funny though, I think. So I, two questions. One is I'm going to ask this, how have I crucified my flesh today and given evidence of a spirit-controlled life? Could you imagine? Here's what's wild. You know you're going to ask yourself that question in the evening, so you're going to become highly sensitive to your old nature trying to take control of you again. But as soon as you say, I'm not going to do that, I'm submitting to the Spirit. You know what you just did? You put your old nature back to death again. Does this make sense? And then I'll go to the next question. How have I sought to serve my spouse today? Now, here's the neat thing. In the evening, if you ask yourself that question and you can't think of anything, you still ain't gone to bed yet. Go serve her or go serve him. <laughs> y'all out there, this would be a lot of fun if y'all do it. So... Now, here's where I was going to ask y'all to do something y'all probably ain't never been asked to do before in your life in church by a preacher. Boy, I got everybody's attention. I should use that line every Sunday. <laughs> everybody who's married, y'all slip your hands up right quick, real quick. Now, I want you to say, I do solemnly swear. No, I'm just kidding, but put your hands down. That's good. Here, here's what I'm going to do. This week, I'm actually going to give you what's called the Red Date Challenge, all right? So, husband, what I want to encourage you to do and challenge you to do is take your wife out on a date. Now, I know economy's bad, and some people are like, well, we can't afford to go out on a date. Here's what I told the first service. Make PB and J go sit out in the field somewhere. There's plenty of them in Lula, all right? So uh, you can find a place, I guarantee. But, uh, and uh, Kara Candle, all right? She'll think you're the man then. You know. But here's the deal, red date challenge. I want you to, and look, I forgot to say this in the first service because people came up and asked me questions. I learned so much after the first one. No double dates, all right? It's just you and your spouse. I know that freaks you out and scares you, all right? Sit down. I 